0: Welcome to the TechNori Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Catoon. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Active Campaign. See why more than 100,000 businesses use Active Campaign for their marketing by signing up at slash TechNori. Get your first two months for free on me. Today's show is a, a whopper. It's a good one. This is one of the most fun shows I've ever had and has nothing to do, I mean, it does have things to do with tech and business, but it's more of like my kind of thing, right? Um, Michelle Walker. If you're not familiar with her, you should be. She wrote the book several years ago called The Gray Rhino. The Gray Rhino is everywhere right now. She is everywhere because the Gray Rhino is the the truth to the black swan. You've heard Mark Cuban and everybody else on the planet pointing at the black swan. There it is. Coronavirus is the black swan. Unfortunately, folks, it is not. It is, as I put it in, the, uh, in this podcast, the, if, if the black swan is Houdini, then the gray rhino is the amazing Randy. And you're going to have to listen to the podcast to get what I meant by that. It's a big one. This is like 30 minutes of mind-blowing, wow, we need to rethink about everything. And I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not the kind of person who like, likes to do that all the time. I'm not a like conspiracy guy. I'm a know what's going on guy. I'm a like to read shit guy. I like to know after I get bamboozled, I like to go back and research my decisions, my actions, and also the person who took my money and I'm not going to go after him. It's fine. You got me. You know, I'm a fool. Fool loses his money. I want to know how you did it though. How did you fleece me? I'm that guy. So for me, a book like this is like a no brainer. I'm digging in this weekend, but as we find out at the end of the interview, It's a good book for you too. If you're not that guy or you're not that girl, this book is for you. This is like, hey, no judgment. Just pay attention to see what is out there. And I'm speaking cryptically. I'm trying not to give it away because I I really think you should listen to the whole thing because it's that good. But I will give you this. I'll leave you this so that you actually listen because it's important. I really, I mean, seriously, it's very important. This is a very important podcast. Ask yourself, what is going on in your life? that could turn into a complete disaster? What is the elephant in the room that you're not paying attention to, that you know that if, if everything went to shit, and it could be your health, it could be your money, it could be your political world, anything, that you would go after the fact, you'd point it at it and go, yep, that was it. I knew that was it. I knew that was going to get me. This podcast and subsequently the book, The Gray Rhino, is about that. It's about what you can do to identify that big elephant and go, I don't have to wait until he tramples me. I can do something now to avoid it. And oh, by the way, as a result of having this knowledge, I now know why people are selling me bullshit on the other side. Before we go to the interview, I have to thank Amy Gooth, my colleague and friend at WGN for making this intro. What a fantastic intro. Thank you, Amy, so much. Uh, this is my interview with author, Michelle Walker. So first off, thank you for coming on the show. Obviously, Michelle, I, um, any friend of Amy Guth is a friend of mine. So that's, we get that out of the way first. Um, as an entrepreneur, she has a very big fan club. Oh my, she is her own little viral network. That's the thing. I, I think she's very underappreciated at WGN. She's the only one of the only people. Well, now really the only person there, um, who has that like real passionate following of people. So Uh, kudos to, to Amy for setting this up. Um, You know, honestly, how you came up in conversation between her and I was me talking about the fact that all I see is black swan stuff as an entrepreneur in the entrepreneur network, Mark Cuban, who's like the kingpin entrepreneur for those who are shark tank devotees. All he talked about during the beginning of Corona was black swan, black swan. And I just remember thinking this doesn't, like jive with what my brain tells me is going on, and I'm telling the story to Amy in the green room at WGN, and she literally is like, "You need to meet Michelle Walker and learn about the gray rhino." So, you're Michelle, and you're on the show. <laughs> Tell me about the gray rhino. So the gray rhino is uh, is a
1: metaphor. Um, I often talk about it as the love child of the black swan and the elephant in the room. Um, the gray rhino is the metaphor for, for the big scary thing with a horn pointed right at you. It's, it's two tons, it's toe the ground, it's snorting, it's about to charge at you. Um, it's a metaphor for the big obvious thing in front of us that we are much more likely to get trampled by than any of us would like to admit. Um, it's a rhino obviously because it's big with a horn and scary and dangerous and hard to miss Um, and is gray because there are five rhino species uh, two of which are black and white neither one of those is the color that it's called they're both gray so it seemed to me to be a great metaphor for not paying attention to the most obvious perfect
0: that is perfect
1: it is, and it actually came up as a as a as a joke. I was um, in a former life. I used to be a financial journalist writing about emerging markets debt crises, and wrote about Argentina, and then ten years later was looking at the Greek situation and saying, "Wow, you know, this is a big mess, very similar to Argentina," and uh, I wrote a big uh, early policy paper saying that that creditors in Greece needed to sit down and restructure their debt. And they actually did. And so while Argentina had a chaotic default in 2001, uh, in 2012, Greece, you know, it was still a pretty messy situation, but Greece and its creditors came up up with an agreement. And so I was asking myself, what makes the difference? They both saw the big scary thing coming. And one of them did something and the other one didn't. And so I, I had this idea for answering the question as it as it applied to all kinds of businesses, from startups to you know big conglomerates, um, in other policy issues like climate change. And so I was talking with a friend and trying to come up with a way to talk about it, and that's when the rhino popped into my head. It was you know, big, scary, with a horn. So he made a black swan joke. He's like, oh, you could call it a black swino. Uh, but, uh, you could call it a black rhino. And that's when I went to Wikipedia because I remembered vaguely from zoo visits when I was a small child that there was actually something in real life called the black rhino. And that's when I found out that the black ones weren't black and the white ones weren't white and that they were all gray. So it it has something of a relationship to the black swan, um, but also this feeling that people were badly misusing this black swan concept.
0: You could have called it the black swino. He might've been right. It was it was a slip up, but that that also sells books.
1: <laughs> and that brings like a Pig in there too, just
0: very <laughs> <Yes>. confusing. <laughs> Everything. It's. I mean, at this point, it's a kiwi. Um, so I. I think like one makes a lot of sense. The other part of this that I think is frustrating is when. And, and this is not. You know this from journalism. You know this from writing books. You know this from just being a probably just being a person. When we simplify things into a term like black swan or black rhino, in particular, when the black rhino is not black uh people the make assumptions <laughs> yes. yeah exactly it's a great one um people make assumptions and they don't want to be the dummy in the room but they also don't want to like say something too intelligent because then it provokes you to actually you know ask questions and then they have to answer and that's no good either and we just sort of like share anything at that point point. and so with the corona thing from a business perspective everyone's looking for answers the immediacy is to look at those who have the most money as the ones who will have the answers and then they say something like black swan, which is all encompassing. I have no idea what it means at the time as I don't think most people do. And they just like, yeah, it's black swan, it's one off thing couldn't have possibly we never would have been able to see it coming. Mark Cuban said so. And it's like, no, 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 no no no. If you just backtrack a second, we absolutely saw this coming. Like you, you saw the potential for something horrific to happen. Or at the very minimum, if you looked at all the things going on around us, whether it's political or funding or lack of funding, you see all of these lines sort of like, not like it looks like the perfect uh, temperature for a disaster, and and but people just think like, ignored it, and I, I just think it's it's, it's it's interesting. It's true. It's true. Well, it's very interesting. You know, the
1: black swan was was meant to wake people up to the fact that you're much more likely to get uh get slammed by something you couldn't even picture at all in the first place. It was intended as a way to, to get people to think about resilience, to broaden their imaginations, you know, to get people to invest in the tail risk funds that Nassim Taleb was advising, but we won't go too far there. Um,
0: I would love to podcast 2.0. Great. (laughs) That will call the, we'll call that the, the black swine swino. That'll be the black swino episode
1: it's true well it's you know it's interesting you know this tail risk is is an idea that that people are fascinated by because it's it's got a surprise element so it's kind of a sexy story and uh, i found that people really don't like being told hey there's something in front of you and you're not paying enough attention to it so something that's really bugged me about Uh, all of the articles that have come out about the Gray Rhino in the last uh, several weeks is that it often goes with this should have seen it coming. And that's really not where I'm going with the concept at all. It's meant to get people to look in front of us instead of in hindsight. And the problem with the black swan is you can only see it in hindsight and way too many policymakers, portfolio managers, investors, investors, use it as a cop-out when they weren't looking in front of themselves, and they should have, you know, indeed they should have seen it, but that's not really how I want people to use the gray rhino. I want people to look at it. I've got a a five-stage framework for analyzing why you don't act at different stages of a gray rhino event, and what you can do to overcome these obstacles. It's a, it's really a strategic and an assessment tool that actually can help you to head off these big scary things. And uh, I also want people to realize that it's, it's value neutral. It's like, if you're the person who sees the big scary thing coming, you can also profit from that, whether it's by solving the problem or you know having a big tail risk fund.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. And you kind of mentioned this before, um, but I feel like the black swan is a, it's a fantastic device for a swindler. It's a fantastic device to get people to sort of like, look, it's like, oh, look, we never saw it coming. It's an excuse to like make up for whatever, you know, malfeasance may have may or may not have taken place. And also it's really easy to raise against because it's like, oh, you, you have to have funds for the unknown, right? You got, you got to do that. And it's, people don't want to ask questions. True.
1: It's very true, and you know it's very interesting. You know, policymakers and uh, entrepreneurs and investors uh, see it in very different ways. And of course, you know, policy, policymakers are at least in the West looking short term, and they want to have reasons why not to make the harder long term decision. So it's it's a useful cop out um, for investors. It depends on uh, whether you're investing in um, in securities or whether you're investing in real companies. I mean, real companies really depend on policymakers to see those big things coming and try to avert them. And investors, particularly the ones who go around screaming black swan all the time, who are only looking at at securities, they're interested in volatility. They want volatility. And so the black swan is a very convenient trope for them. And in fact, in his in his later work, Talib talked about um, building systems that benefit from volatility. And of course, no system benefits everybody equally. And I don't know if you saw some of the headlines about the you know, returns on some of these tail risk funds in March, which were insane, and about how the wealth of the top, you know, whatever percent uh, rose by a, a lot yeah. at the time when other people were being, uh, damage. So this, you know, this black swan really was designed to help a certain part of the population and a certain part of the economy, which is the financial part of the economy, you Now, the speculators and the real economy is being hurt because of it.
0: I mean, so like, I, I don't mean to minimize things, but I, I have always, and this isn't just about money, but in general life, I liken a lot of things to magic. The people at the magic show like the kids think it's magic. The people who are performing the magic are magicians and they know it's not magic. And they know there's a prestige. And if the carpetbagger swindler was peddling Black Swan, um the Gray Rhino is the amazing Randy. The amazing Randy for those listening or don't know amazing Randy, he was the one that sat on Johnny Carson and dispelled every magician's trick. As they went before him, and was like, "Yep, he's manipulating that." You're, he knows you're going to be looking in hindsight. He knows you're not going to look in front of you. That's the trick. The whole trick is that you're not going to be looking out in front of you, and he knows it.
1: They don't want the. They they want to put the amazing Randy behind a curtain. Correct. And it's very it's very interesting. You know, the the book came out in 2016. I had introduced the concept at Davos uh, in 2013, um, and the book came out is very bad timing. It was it was the week of the New York election primary, which had not been relevant in the history of primaries. So all my friends who had books come out that year had a really hard time. But I also had a lot of pushback from these people who saw it as a threat to this black swan thinking. And then in 2017, it came out in China and uh, sold thirty thousand copies in the first three weeks. When my editor emailed me about it, I had to email back. I'm like, "Is that with four zeros?" <laughs> she says, "Yes." Um, Great time to negotiate in
0: advance just... on your next book, by the way. <laughs> in, case you, in case you didn't, <laughs> there's a pink rhino coming out next, and uh, <laughs> um, seven-figure
1: And in China, you know, it was also interesting because 2015, 2016, they'd had a, a big, uh, you know, stock market um problem to put it politely <laughs> put in it,
0: yeah.
1: china so they were very in very attuned to the need to try to to prevent future problems like that and so the chinese government has used it in their efforts to try to rein in corporate debt uh they used it to to, to sort of frame uh, messaging around a uh, uh, bringing shadow banking out into the light. They actually let thousands of peer-to-peer lenders go under. They made it harder to get a mortgage. Um, So they've been doing a lot of things to try to get ahead of some of these financial fragilities that in the United States, still the smartest people on Wall Street are talking about it, but there are a lot of people trying to sweep that under the rug.
0: I can sit here with you and bang on the financial people all day long. I mean- to be, and I, and I don't want to do that. Obviously I, I, I want I actually have some philosophical things that we'd I'd love to talk to you about with this, but I do want to kind of wrap a little bit up of the, of the financial part of this. Not that, I mean, the whole thing is financial, but really digging in on the, on the people who benefit financially. I think that the, one of the biggest problems that we have in this country and it's global, it's, I just say this country, cause I, I don't travel enough to claim to be global um, in this country. What I see and it, you saw it in the politics you see it in fad. I mean, this is so stupid, but you see it in fad diets. You see it in the way that people jump on a bandwagon and roll with it. And people can scare you into making decisions one way or the other. And, and yet, even though that we're the most educated we've ever been civilization wise, I feel like because of the misinformation and amount of information, we're dumber than we've ever been. And we're lazier than we've ever been when it comes to discerning whether things are true or not, or even having a natural interest to, to seek the truth for a lot of people. And it creates an environment where those who are in the know can take advantage in a level and at a capacity and at a volume and economy of scale, to be quite frank, that has never been existed before. Like you could have a Rockefeller who could control this. You could have, you know, oil baron, rubber baron who control this, this, this. You're not going to have entire industries that are essentially running amok because they know that no one's watching. And I wonder, and you hit on this with the China piece, and and that's where I want to go with this, is is the greater role that the identifying of a gray rhino and more largely the book, is there a way for us to use this in the, in this country and globally to get people to first identify a very clear difference between what we don't see coming and what we categorize as something we couldn't have seen coming because we didn't take the time to look. Is there a way, can we turn the ship around and start getting people to recognize that, there are simple things we can do every day to recognize potential threats or opportunities before they become a mistitled black swan. Do you, do you see where I'm going with that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that's really a a lot of what the book is about. And you know, the, the central idea is so simple that people say, Oh, that's just really obvious. That's why, why do you have a book about that? Why are you, why are you talking about this? But you know, if it were that simple, we wouldn't be in the kind of messes that we are. So I've uh, developed from the book a lot of workshops that I've done with uh, with trade groups and uh, policy groups and, uh, and governments and corporations. And it really starts with something that's shockingly simple. It's asking yourself, okay, what's my gray rhino? What's the big scary thing that's coming at me? And what am I doing about it? Um, there's a, a, a speeches where I've shown a video of a, a giant, gray rhino that's about to charge and the whole room just collectively gasps and that's the emotional connection that I'm trying to create um and I think it's also important for people to realize that this is not meant to be a you know oh gotcha you didn't see that sort of exercise because everybody's going to see a slightly different gray rhino because they've got a, a different angle sure and just that simple, simple process of checking in with yourself regularly going, what's the gray rhino? Okay, what am I doing about it? Because unlike the elephant in the room, which which normalizes the idea that nobody does or says anything, with gray rhinos, there, there are people out there saying things and doing things. So once you say, okay, here's the gray rhino, you know, here's the thing coming at me, then you can start asking yourselves a series of questions. Okay, you know, what am I doing about it? Who, need, who needs to do what to get us out of the way of this and you know if they're not doing what they need if they don't see it as a gray rhino too what do I need to do to to move them along and to get them from the first stage which is denial all the way through to the fifth stage which is action so it's it's a question it's an emotional connection it's a recognition of human vulnerability to the obvious. And then it's, it's a strategy. It's, it's a methodical way of moving forward and dealing with the thing.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I could not agree more with you. I think, you know, you you talk about how it's, it's so simple. It's overly simple. The thing about people that is, it's always completely baffling to me. I mean, it's not in any way baffling, but it is like when I try to be a person thinking about people instead of being judgmental, uh, which is hard to do, which is probably part of the problem as well. But anyway, um, we frequently, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else, uh, will make assumptions after something happened where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and like, I totally knew that was going to happen. Did you? Because I, I don't think you did. I think logically when it when something processed, you're like, oh, yeah, of course, my brain would have seen that coming had he been looking, but he wasn't looking. And it's that like slight little admission that you have to make with yourself that we don't make, we make a excuse for it. We just go, "Oh, I was looking at the phone, so I didn't see it. But if I was, I would have seen it. And so we just, we sort of let that go. And that is the, the linchpin piece of this is that people stop being unaware of their surroundings. We need to start paying attention about our surroundings. The the little tchotchkes and, and things that we're buying, the phones and all this crap that we're downloading, like other than this podcast, people shouldn't be do- downloading things all the time. they They need to look up and be able to receive information that they can process. And I think that's our our problem is a distraction. It's like I, I think if you told everyone, hey, you know if you were paying attention more and you identified what is likely to be your gray rhino if you just looked up, I think most people could identify what would feasibly be one or two of the potential threats. They're just not looking up. And they're, and they seem to be okay with whatever the fallout is of that. And I, I think it's, it's not just political. It's not money. It's health. Even it's like, it's easy for me to look at my phone and scroll and eat popcorn and drink booze and then be like, Oh man, I only lived till I was 66. I guess I I didn't look up and see.
1: It's so funny that you mentioned the health part of it because, you know, I come from this as, you know, first a financial journalist and then as a, you know, a media executive and then as a think tank executive, so very much grounded in this sort of economic policy and global world, and when I was doing the book tour I was surprised by how often I would get asked how do I apply this to my personal life? And then in, um, in 2017, I was in Shanghai for a couple of speeches. And there were these horrible thunderstorms. And you know, this, this one guy, it took him three hours to get there. And we had to start the event late because it was just, it was, the weather was, was epic. And he comes up to me with a copy of this book. And he asked for a, an autograph. He's a super hip, you know, 20-something, you know, Gen Z, Chinese kid in, in Shanghai. He's like, please give me your autograph. You helped me so much with decisions in my life. And that really struck me. I mean, it, it touched me at a very deep level uh, to see how people were applying this. And then I would start using it with, you know, with friends, like, you know, the friend who is, you know, hasn't done their taxes in so many years, or, you know, the friend who's having upper respiratory stuff and not going to the doctor. And I started kind of jokingly saying to my friends who were hemming and hawing about this ongoing thing or about like the, the, the you know, loser significant other and they need to dump. And I would ask sort of half joking, but not really like, did you read my book? Yeah. <laughs> surprisingly, surprisingly, it worked. Like, they were like, okay, I went and met with my accountant. Okay, I went to the doctor. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's such a fundamental human trait. And I think we need to forgive ourselves for not having seen things in the past, but at the same time, learn from those mistakes and apply to the future. And it was interesting some of the the you know Amazon reviews of my book was like you just want to say you know I told you so when you didn't say I told you so I'm like okay well on Greece on Argentina and all these sort of things yes actually I did say I told you so and you know I've been writing about leverage loans and these you know financial imbalances for quite some time um, but it's it's really not the point to say gotcha you didn't see it it's to say hey you didn't see it and a lot of other people didn't see it too. And now that you know the consequences of not having seen it, let's take that knowledge and let's move forward with it to make sure that this doesn't happen to you the next time.
0: Well, I mean, you could have just told them, hey, uh, I didn't need 247 pages to tell you I told you so. <laughs> like, could have made it, could have made it <laughs> a lot easier myself.
1: Yeah. and it's like you know I, and i don't want to say i told you so but i'm like i look at this you know market crash and then now this you know the market is you know technically out of bear territory it's you know no longer down 20 percent, and in this case i've been saying look <laughs> what i've been saying all the time is still true and it's still a threat to us going forward and uh you know, it just it's yes, I want to call people out for they're saying when they're saying black swan, because I know that there are there's an agenda behind it. And it's it's a dangerous one and that there's a real lack of accountability with it. And so if you're going to political leaders and saying, hey, this is a gray rhino, do something about it. Let's instead of of, you know, lionizing leaders who pick up the pieces after a so-called black swan that really wasn't. Let's look at the ones who make the hard decisions to head off the gray rhino. You know, let's look at the things that people are warning about and see how our leaders are doing. That's why the the last five years, uh, I've done a sort of a meta analysis of all the, you know, top risks and predictions and forecast lists that come out, you know, between uh, usually December and the end of February, early March. So every year I come up with a with a list of these. The last year I, I looked at oh wow over four dozen lists to try to get a sense of what's keeping people up at night so that, you know, when these things that they worry about happen and someone comes out and says, Oh, nobody saw it coming, I can say, Hey, yeah, a lot of people did see it coming. And you need to pay attention to these things that people are warning about. It's I mean, it's that simple.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, like I said before, I, my worry in all this is people, and this is not new people in government, people in business rely on blindness. They rely on the, on whoever's money they're holding to not be looking. And it's, it's not just about like, it's a nefarious thing where the the black swan is being used as it's sort of dark mystical problem that we're all trying to solve or that you couldn't possibly understand. Um, that That is a device that has been used forever and it still is being used. And in fact, now, because of the ability to spread so much misinformation and just so much just stuff, it's easier than ever, I feel like, to to get people to be like, all right, I give up, whatever. I, I trust you. You're good. And people just run amok with it. And I, I want to see a place where we can get, like, I just, I guess really, if you want to like boil it down, I want to see the discussion to go away from arguing whether or not this item in particular is a black swan or a gray rhino and get to the point of do you recognize what a black swan isn't do you recognize the use case the mechanical use of the term black swan and then gray rhino do you understand the difference do you understand how the black rhino or the the gray rhino which is not black or gray uh, is do you do you understand how that is putting real information out, like that is actually informative, that we should, we have a responsibility. If we expect certain actions representing us to be done, we have a responsibility to checks and balances on that, to be attentive. And I I just, I really hope that this starts a conversation with real people, regular people on the street being like, holy cow, like this is a real thing.
1: It's, it's, it's so true. And it's, you know, it's when people are using one term or the other, it says a lot about who they are. Um, You know, it's like, you know, whether, you know, whether you're wearing one sports team's hat or the others. I mean, you know, I have family in Milwaukee. I know who they voted for. I can put
0: it that way. If (laughs) I hear hear them interchangeably saying that, that, it's a fair assumption. I know where they vote.
1: (laughs) So, yeah. So if someone's saying Black Swan, you've got a pretty good guess that they're probably trying to hide something. And if they're saying Gray Rhino, you've got a pretty good sense that they're trying to look ahead and fix something
0: they probably read a lot. That's also, that's another, that's another tell, tell tale. I mean, but it's true. Like this is, you know, we're not, the society is probably not a better place for me being judgmental like this and making these assumptions and, and broadly painting uh, color on people. But like at the same time, I do think that we've gotten to this place where I, I just, we battle and we fight and we scream about political people and we demonize and we, we pick, you know, we pick these like gigantic, ego driven, you know, like you said, teams, we pick, we pick our team and our flag and we, we fight blindly for it instead of just being like, no, no, my fight is not with you. It's not with Trump. It's not with this gigantic uh, fiscal ripoff that's happening. It's, it's with the idea behind it. That's my fight. My fight is, I don't think you're reading enough. I don't think you're looking enough. That's my fight.
1: Absolutely, and it's it, you know there are just so many things that we really we need to be paying so much more attention to. Like you know, one the fact that you know companies spent ninety six percent of their free cash flow on share buybacks and now are getting bailed out, and there are people at the very bottom, including many you know frontline caregivers uh, who are struggling, and that's it's a big systemic problem. Or you look at the fact that yes, everybody wants the the pandemic to be over as soon as possible. And, uh, you know, some people are being respectful and taking, you know, taking care and other people aren't. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really about let's not choose our tribes. Let's assume that we're all part of one tribe that's trying to fix the problem. And we, we're not getting enough of that although i have to say there has been some resolution i was in the grocery store uh the other day i've been like you know three times in the last two months luckily i have a stocked pantry and i heard people talking saying you know my family couldn't talk to each other after the election because there was the, yeah. the pro-trump and the anti-trump and nobody could talk to each other and this person overheard said you know they're actually talking to each other again so you know there's some there are some glimmer of glimmers of hope in here
0: Yeah, I've been I've been writing about this and talking about this for the last three weeks, four weeks. Social media, and again, this isn't for everyone, but for those that are in my circle, uh, social media is being social again. People are using Zoom and House Party and apps to talk to people that myself included that I haven't talked to in years because they live in London and they live here and there, and it's like, oh, you know, like we'll get around to it when we get around to it. Well, now I have nothing to do, so I might as well. We will stay in touch now more than we ever have in the past. And my inner circle has grown tighter and the outer circle that I used to do shit to just entertain has gotten smaller. And my interest in entertain them has gotten smaller. And it's not just me. I'm seeing it coming in, in, in you know, enough to write about, put it that way. Um, and I, I think that's a positive. And I think there's a lot of things that are going to come out of this that actually are positive. It's like society got put in timeout and there's mm-hmm. good. There's some good that comes out of it. And of course there's some suffering, but you know what? A lot of good normally comes out of suffering one way or the other, one thing i would like to talk to you about and then try to sell some of these books to people because i think they need to read it um the one thing i, I want to talk about with you on this is the the backlash you you kind of brought this up a little bit and i just want your opinion it's not necessarily relative to gray rhino um the backlash on the social distancing and the stoppage of work from some people who in the early going especially small business and and i i understand better than anyone their small business plight um but be like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, we're going to close down business for a minute. But then once it started to actually like hit them financially, then it's like, we got to go back and people can learn to handle, you know, learn to take care of themselves. And you don't have to go out if you don't want to. And there's all these kind of weird sort of sub texts that are going on. And, and there's this like, we grossly overreacted. I see it on Facebook from some people on my network. This is complete overreaction. Is it not, wasn't this the point? Isn't this why we did stay at home shelter in place? was it we would not have millions of people die. Like that was the it's, whole point.
1: It's so true. Well, people are so bad with counterfactuals oh my and God. all of the, all of the modeling it's about this said, look, if we, if we act decisively, here's how the curve is going to flatten. And a lot of those models said, yes. And at this point, people are going to say, see, we, we overreacted. And I think it's, that's part of this bigger dynamic around gray rhinos is that, we don't reward people for, for doing the right thing. right? Uh, it's, you know, and, and we need to do that, frankly. I mean, I, I think about, you know, there's the um, uh, profiles encourage awards that the, the RFK center does for, you know, uh, people who take hard political decisions. And um, one of those is, I, I look back at, at uh, George H.W. Bush, um, you know, uh, the first um, one. And, he took a lot of flack for raising taxes at a time when you know, he looked at the numbers, saw where the budget deficit was going, saw where the economy was going, and um, really took a lot of hits for that. And some people claim that he lost re-election because of that decision. Um, I think more accurately, he lost it basically because the economy was where it was and hadn't come around quickly enough. Um, But I think we need to be much more systematic about when people make a tough decision uh, that involves some short-term pain that would greatly reduce the amount of long-term pain, we need to celebrate that. Uh, You look at uh, the studies on resilience and, um, you know, that investing one dollar in you know resilience, whether it's against you know natural disasters or whatever, yields I've seen between four and twelve dollars, which is in, in avoided in avoided costs, and that's a really good return. And um, thinking more about avoided costs, the you know yes, it's hard to afford to do this, but we can't afford not to do it. You know, climate change is a huge yeah. example of that. Um, so that really looking at you know what are the consequences if we don't act. And realizing, hey, if we do act, let's celebrate if it looks like we overreacted.
0: That has been the whole point for me. We look at, you know, all the movies we love, the love stories we go, I would give a million dollars if I could have my mom for one more day. That's what we love to to say in cheer and eat popcorn. Here's your chance. Lose a million dollars. Maybe keep mom alive one more day. This is your opportunity. Stay at home. And now we're like, well, we, we, you know, older people, you know, whatever it is, what it is. People are going to die. We, we overreacted. We, we could have lost a few more lives, but would have been fine. Wouldn't have lost our money. The whole point of this was that we were saying we are going to sacrifice so that we don't have a calamity. And here we are not having a, a total calamity and you're going, Oh, we overreacted. Like if we hadn't done this, it would have been a disaster. And then you would have said, what were you doing? Totally inept. it's with people you just can't, you almost can't win, which is why I argue they need to read gray rhino. They need to read a book so they can be like, oh, there's actual like, okay, before and after let's analyze.
1: Yeah. And you know, climate change again is such a big example example. and you know, and as, as you know, some, you know, pretty senior influential people are, are talking about uh, this now. Um, but you know, you look at, okay, let's say we get blue skies, which, you know, in many places we're getting for completely unhappy reasons. But, you know, let's say we reduce our emissions. You know, let's say that me, this means that all these fewer people are suffering from from asthma. Um, you also look at, at uh, a lot of the numbers behind employment, seeing that a lot of the cl- clean clean energy actually employs more people, creates more and better jobs than, you know, dirty industries. It's like, okay, so if we have more people employed, and if we have less pollution, and we have lower healthcare costs. um, How exactly are we worse off? And, you know, the numbers are showing that in many cases, you know, we are going to be better off economically now that the the costs of uh, cleaner energies have come down. So it's it's a really strange logic that I see people arguing against doing the smart and sensible
0: thing. I, I think that the reverse logic that we need to start looking at is if all of the people that are supporting the, the far right, if we just give them all a hug, we just embrace Trump and are like, he's a genius and jump on the bandwagon with them. They will then resent us because we've stolen their hero. And then maybe they will switch sides and vote the way we voted before. And we'll then switch it back on them. We got to use, we, we got to use the crazy, crazy uh, logic that they're all living with. I think I don't, I don't, I don't even know anymore how to like,
1: Get, I'm not going to be hugging anybody right now.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, obviously we're going to do uh, not for another two years. Yeah, probably. I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not giving hugs for two years. Actually, I'm okay with that. I'm not a big hugger as it is. So I'm doing fine. Uh, no, but you get what I'm saying? It's just, it's just sort of a, there's a, there is a very clear and obvious psychology that's being taken advantage of. And it has been forever. It's just easier to manipulate now because everyone's on social media and you can herd mentality is just, you can herd people digitally. It's just easier. Um, but this is super fascinating what would you say would be the one or two absolute major takeaways from uh gray Rattle the book that you think people should be, I guess you could say the two things they could take away, or maybe the two types of people who would most benefit from reading this book.
1: Well, you know, takeaways is one is that, you know, it's, it's human not to see the big thing in front of us. And once you recognize that vulnerability, you become so much more powerful and you become able to channel the energy and the power of a gray rhino for your benefit. Uh, so that's, it's, it's a huge one, just that the power of recognizing the obvious thing in front of you and realizing that you need to look extra hard to do something that you shouldn't think would take much effort. And you know, as far as the two kinds of people who would benefit from it, um, the first is the people who, they, they read the book, they hear what I have to say, and they're like, Oh wow. yes, this this is exactly what I've been thinking and worried about you you've given me a way to talk about it and and do something with this and, and just wow. you know so so one is the kind of people who get it intrinsically and have been looking for a way to you know to do better in dealing with the gray rhinos. The other type of person is the people who don't get it, and unfortunately, they probably need to read the book even more than the people who instinctively get what i'm saying they're you know they're ones who the ones who go out there and say well you know of course it's obvious but you know if it's obvious we're paying attention to it and interestingly i get i get a lot more of that kind of response in the u.s than i do in in europe and asia where i well until a couple months ago was traveling very frequently um so it's you know if the people who who Don't get it. Just give it the benefit of the doubt. Read through. Not just, um, don't just assume that what I'm trying to say is, you know, gotcha, I told you so, because that's not at all what it's about. You know, just go at it with an open mind and listen to what I have to say and you'll actually benefit from this. You know, whether, you know, whether I'm preaching to the choir or whether you are digging in your heels and don't want to listen to what I hear at all.
0: So the short answer She's is Colorado everyone <laughs> The short answer is <laughs> everyone should read this. I don't disagree. I've got the book uh, here. Thank you very much for sending me that book, by the way. Um, and I can't wait. To, I've cracked on just like the beginning of it. I, I just figured I'd talk to you before I even opened it. So uh, I'm looking forward to digging into that this weekend. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, if you could tell people, I'm, I imagine everywhere, but if you could tell people where to get the book, uh, that would help everyone get it. And then we could have this conversation uh, maybe with them.
1: Absolutely. Well, thanks for the great questions. Um, There are links on my website, um, which is thegrayrhino.com, gray with an A, um, to a bunch of different booksellers. I would strongly urge your local independent bookseller, many of them are shipping right now. Um, bookshop.org supports independent bookstores across the, the country. Uh, my own personal favorite is actually Porchlight Books in Milwaukee, uh, which will do bulk discounts if you're interested in getting people to read it for your business. Um, that's a, It's a way to learn something and it's a way to support very, very uh, important businesses. So again, thegrayrhino.com.
0: Very cool. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Obviously, everyone knows you can follow me on Twitter at Katoon, follow Technori on Instagram or Twitter everywhere. Follow everywhere at Technori and go to uh, Technori.com to sign up for the newsletter. Boom. That's a wrap.